0: Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Christmas. So Christmas Day uh, is on a Sunday this year. So we're not having a Christmas Eve service. We are going to have, on Sunday morning, A Christmas celebration I guess some people may want to stay home with their kids and their family and and all that stuff that's great but um, we have two options now for the way we're going to do this and hate to throw this curve at you but just bear with me so option one uh, is we're going to gather here on holidays like that we usually instead of starting at 1037 we usually start a little bit later at 1107 right? Because we don't want you to rush your kids and like put the toys away, we got to go to church and then they're like, I hate church, I want to play with my toys. We don't want that. So start a little bit later, 1107, um, give you time to, you know, do Christmas morning stuff with your family. Plenty of time because they're going to be up at the crack of dawn or before then. Uh, So 1107, we'll do a short, we're still going to end about the same time, uh, so we're going to keep it short. Uh, but we're going to celebrate, I mean, if there's any Sunday that you want to get together and celebrate Jesus, it's, it's on Christmas Day, right? So that's option one. Uh, and what has been suggested, and it's up to you again, is that we have like food afterwards, whatever snacks, breakfast, dog, whatever food, kind of like a light brunch thing. The deal is, though, instead of waiting until after, because it's Christmas morning, Eat while we're doing it. So right now, people would be eating, Gather, getting their plates, and eat and celebrate, and we'll do Christmas morning together. That's option one. Everyone clear on option one? Okay. Yes. Trust me, I cannot. But the smell of food and watching you guys eat will make me talk quicker. So <laughs> it'll be okay. It's like as I'm seeing people stuffing their faces, I'm gonna talk quicker. But here's the thing: option two is totally different. We've never done anything like this before. Option one, 11:07. We gather here, we celebrate, we rejoice, yada yada yada. We have food. Option two, Glenn Wagner, who owns Wagner's Restaurant, has suggested that he's, his restaurant's going to be closed on Christmas morning, but he's going to open it for anyone who wants to come and have a Christmas meal. So instead of like us just doing a potluck, we'll do a potluck. Other people will donate food, and he suggested that we uh, live stream our Christmas morning Sunday celebration from his restaurant. I'm all for that. And I was like, yes, that sounds great. And I was like, wait, let me, let me take this back to the congregation because not everybody may feel like, oh, yeah, that's not how I was looking to celebrate Christmas. I just wanted to come here, celebrate, and, and do that. So we'd still meet at the same time, 1107. Still have uh, a shortened Christmas celebration and, and, and reading of the word of God and getting into God's word and celebrating the birth of Christ. And then after, um, food. It would just all be from there. So just so we're clear, option one, 1107, we meet here while we're celebrating. We eat all that stuff. We celebrate the birth of Christ. Option two, do the exact same thing but from Wagner's Restaurant. I'm going to let you guys ruminate on that a bit, let it dwell in. And, and I've already talked to some of you and said, what do you think? What? I, I have no idea. I would, I'm, e- either way, Christmas morning, we're going to gather, whether it be here or there, and we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ. You're invited to join with us. And if you can't because you're with your family or whatever, that's okay. Either way, we're going to live stream it so that people can celebrate the birth of Christ. Does that make sense to everyone? Okay, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Pray about, because we've been talking about Christmas since August, like what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? Pray about what feels comfortable to you, right? Maybe talk to your family members, even the ones who, who may not come, you know, but they're like, oh, you're going to do it at a restaurant? I may go there for that. I may go with you to celebrate the birth of Christ for that. So uh, pray about that with your family. And while you're praying about that, I think that's my last announcement. Uh, We have one more thing to do, Um, and it is semi-food related because uh, we're gonna pray for Bobby. Bobby, could you stand up? Who is leaving us, when? Within the next like week or so, right? Moving to Texas, yay for Texas, sorry for us. Um, And I was gonna have her come up here so we can pray, but I'm afraid I'm gonna break down in tears. So I'm gonna ask, can some of the women, or all of the women, can you guys gather around Bobby and, and, and pray for her? And that way, none of you guys will be looking at me, so I won't, trying to hold back tears. And we're gonna pray for her, and, and I'm gonna word this correctly. Where's uh, Lene, did I word this correctly, Lene? I'm just gonna say, we'll miss you. That sentence has significance. We'll just leave it at that. But God, we are so grateful uh, for Bobby, who has been such a significant part of our congregation. Uh, We're grateful for the heart that you have given her for you and for others and for women's ministry. We're grateful uh, for the desire that she has to know and to dig into your word and to share that word with others. And we're going to miss every aspect of that but we're so grateful that she will still be forever a part of the body of Christ and of your kingdom and of your family. And we pray that you would bless her in Texas as much as you have blessed her here, that you would use her to share your word and your will with people uh, all over the great state of Texas, and we pray that you would just give her uh, family and friends who will come around her, encourage her, support her, lift her up, and be as much of a blessing to her as she has been to us. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, And so because she's leaving, uh, we've ordered like a bunch of food and stuff. So, you know, where's Jackie? Jackie, Sarah. Jackie has said in the past, we're one of the eatinest bunches of group. That's, That's just what we do. So as the band comes up, and we prepare to worship god just know uh, bobby leads our women's ministry she's still going to be doing that because we do a lot of that online uh, she also um, uh, leads another or a couple of other uh, bible study groups and she's still going to be continuing to doing that and i'm also because i have a lot of other book projects and i'm still going to be sending them to you for you to read and review <laughs> and get your feedback on uh, but that being said i'm going to ask you guys to stand and we're just going to jump into a time of praising God in song. All right, as you are, <coughs> excuse me, making your way oops, back to your seats and getting situated, we're continuing in the book of Daniel. And the next chapter that we're going to read, super, super powerful, right? Super duper powerful. It's about Daniel in the lion's den. How many people heard of and read like either in Sunday school or whatever? Yeah. Most of us have. Um, here's the thing though, spoiler alert, and I think we've made that pretty clear that how many people realize it's not about the lion's den, that that's, that's, that's not the focal point of the story, although that's what a lot of people will communicate as the focal point of the story. So here's the thing. I want you to turn to Daniel chapter six in your Bible. I'm going to put a couple of verses up here on screen so we kind of all have a a, a picture of where we're going, but then I'm going to open Daniel chapter 6 as well, so we're all on the same page. So while you're turning to Daniel chapter 6, I'm going to put some verses from chapter 5, because this is the way chapter 5 ended, right? It says, therefore he, meaning God, sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written on the wall uh, in, in the hall where Belshazzar was throwing this big party, right? Uh, this is what it said. Meany, meanie, tekel, parson, and forgive me if I'm butchering the pronouncing of that. And here's what these words mean. Now, they knew what the words meant. They didn't get the message that God was trying to communicate, right? Here's what these words mean. Meany, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tikel, you have been weighed on the scales and find wanting. Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So this was the message that God had for Belshazzar that he delivered through Daniel, and he delivered through the hand on the wall. And Daniel explained why, right? Because you, as a king, were violating God's level of morality, and you knew you shouldn't have. You knew that he had a responsibility to be responsible to God, right? So now, here's, here's, here's the thing that's for us, because I didn't plan out that we would be talking about this right after an election, right? I mean, I couldn't have planned that out if I wanted to. I'm just not that coordinated. But here's the thing. There's some things that all of us and all of God's people need to understand that God wants to reiterate to us, which is why I think this timed out perfectly. And, and here's the thing. This message that, hey, your kingdom, Vida, given to the Medes and the Persians, it happened that night, Right? So the next verse says, at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple, gold chain was placed around his neck. He was proclaimed third highest ruler in the kingdom because Belshazzar was serving with his father Nabodinus, I'm mispronouncing his name as well. Uh, And so Belshazzar was kind of like co-regent, but it didn't matter because it says that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians was slain and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. If you look it up historically, uh, some, if you look on Wikipedia, which isn't the most accurate thing, uh, I think it says it was October the 12th, 539 B.C., when this happened. We know it was 539 B.C., I don't know if it was October the 12th, you know, maybe that's why we do our elections in November, because that's when kingdoms are all over, I have no idea. But we know that this was when his kingdom came to an end. Here's the thing, we also know God told Daniel and all the people, this was going to happen. 60 years prior, it wasn't 60 years for us, it was a couple of weeks ago, but when we read through Daniel chapter two, you remember the whole statue of gold and silver and bronze and all that stuff? That's what that was, where Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, hey, you had a dream about these statues, but here's the thing, that dream is God revealing, here are the kingdoms that are to come, right? And after the Babylonians was gonna come the Medes and the Persians. That was some 60 years prior, Now, 12 years prior, and we looked at this a couple of weeks ago in Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 8, Daniel had these visions where God revealed to him, here's what's coming down. Here are the governments that are going to come and take over, not necessarily the land, but rule over your people. Right? And in chapter 8, we saw not only did he say that, but God also revealed to him, hey, just as you served in the capital under Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom in Babylon, you're going to serve in the capital under the Medes and Persians. Just as you worked for this government, you're going to work for that government. And that's key because a lot of people you know, find that difficult because uh, Nebuchadnezzar, think about it, was the one who had um, come in dragged Daniel from his homeland, had him castrated. If you don't know what that means, go look it up. I don't want to go into detail here. Had him castrated, and yet he still worked for his kingdom. He worked under Nebuchadnezzar. He worked under Nebuchadnezzar's son. He worked under Belshazzar, who was his grandson. Because here's the key, regardless of who is in power, our job as Christians doesn't change. We still have the same goal to tell people about God. It doesn't matter who's in power. Now, they may try to limit what we can do, doesn't matter, our job doesn't change. For us at Crossroads, our job is, I I talk to pastors, and I'm not hating on any pastors, just do this, forgive me if it comes across that way, I am not, every, every, like, when you get into November, December, they start planning out, what's our mission as a congregation gonna be for next year? So what's our mission for 2023? What's the vision God's gonna give us? And here's the thing, for us, it's always going to be the same. Our mission is never going to change. If I'm here 20 years, I probably won't be here 20, I mean, I hope I'm around 20 years from now. If I'm here 20 years from now, I'll be old then. Um, I may have a walker and a cane up here and a ramp because I don't think I'll be able to do the steps, but the mission's going to be the same, right? For us, it's always going to be to share the love of Christ, to tell people that there is a God who loves them. To tell people in our communities, in our circles of influence, yeah, there is a God who loves you. You may not acknowledge him. You may not know him. You may hate some of the people who claim to be like him because, you know, not all people are nice. But our job is always going to be to share the love of Christ and then to show the love of Christ. It doesn't help if we're over here saying God loves you. But then over here, I'm mistreating people, I'm cursing them out, I'm hating on them because they don't think like I do or vote like I do or because they happen to be Ravens fans or whatever, right? Which I know, that's a fine line, pray about it. But we wanna share the love of Christ, we wanna show the love of Christ, and then as God leads, invite people to be recipients of his love. Our focus has never been, hey, make sure you invite people into this building. That's not our focus. Our focus is everyone that comes in this building, that we equip them with the word of God so they can share the love of Christ, show the love of Christ, and then invite people to be recipients of his amazing love. It's gonna be the same all the time. So uh, here's the thing though, open your Bible to Daniel chapter six, because just like our job doesn't change, the job of Daniel didn't change. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one on the table under you, left, right, somewhere, or underneath a chair. Uh, where you're sitting, and if not, raise your hand. We'll have someone bring a Bible to you. So in Daniel chapter 6, if you're using the Bibles, we have page numbers up on the screen. Uh, Here's what it says, starting in verse 1. Actually, I'm jumping ahead. Starting in verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius, same Darius who was appointed at the end of chapter 5, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel, the satraps were made accountable to them so the king might not suffer loss. Daniel at this point was in his mid 80s, right? I know when you, when you were going through Sunday school and they told you about Daniel in the lion's den, they had a nice looking guy probably in a loincloth or whatever in a robe, but that was not the case. It was an older dude who was so old, he probably needed a walker, wasn't getting around that well. And it wasn't that, I, I, I don't think like, Sunday school teachers were trying to lie to us, they just didn't want to send kids home thinking, mom, mom, papa are going in the lion's den and all sad because, you know, older people got thrown in the lion's den. They just kind of made it more palatable, right? Or they just thought 80-year-olds looked that good, and I hope I look that good, but Daniel was in his 80s when he gets thrown in the lion's den. And when uh, Darius takes over, he appoints, and they use the word satraps, and some versions use the word kings and princes and all kinds of things. Think of it this way, think of if the United States were divided into just three time zones instead of four, right? Because central and mountain, you could really mesh those together. I don't know why they're separate. Mesh those together, three time zones. Think of one governor over each time zone with 40 senators responsible to them. That's in essence what it was. So Darius said, hey, I'm going to, it's a large kingdom. I'm going to appoint three governors, and I'm going to appoint to each of them uh, uh, 40 senators, for lack of a better term, under them. But just like today, people get mad, even politicians at one another, when someone who isn't like you or votes like you or from your party gets in the power. So drop down to verse 3. In verse 3, it says this. Excuse me. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So he would have been like a prime minister over all the governors and over all the senators. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so so they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, they said, hey, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Now, think about this. Imagine if everything, the only thing that people could say about Christians, right, were wow, you, you're great at your job, you never grumble, you're always on time, but you just, the only bad thing I can say about you is you just love God too much. Or, hey, uh, you, never, you never make any negative posts, you never talk bad about anyone, uh, you never do anything wrong, you just spend so much time in the Word of God. I mean, that would be a good thing, but we know that's not the case because we know that right now, especially now, that people who are non-Christians are sitting back eating popcorn, and watching all the drama online because of the election amongst Christians. They're watching Christians yell at each other, and no one else has to put their hand in this after I put my hand in it. And I didn't actually put it in my mouth because I know my wife was like, wash your hands. But they're watching All the drama, and they're just sitting back and watching the comments fly, watching Christians tear down one another because they're from the opposite party, because they talk bad about each other's candidates. There are people, I'm telling you, there are people who have canceled their Netflix subscriptions and just sit back and watch the drama from Christians online as we hate on one another and talk bad about one another. And they're like, this is good TV to them. This is entertaining that will, on Sunday, gather in buildings, drive through the cold, get together, sing songs about love in Christ, and then go home and be like blankety blank you and your blankety blank politician, blank, 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 and they're just sitting there and watching us. And that's what's happening. That, that, that's, that's what, it's, it's not their fault, that's what we are doing, and that's what they are watching us do, right? They're just sitting back while we entertain them and while we tear one another down, which is not what we should be doing, and granted, there are frustrations or whatever, but they're watching us go at it like gladiators. So here's the thing. They decided, set traps and the administrators decided, we, we don't want Daniel because of his faith, because of his religion, because of whatever. We don't want him to be in charge. So they went to the king and said, hey, let's make up this law that says that anyone who prays to anyone other than you is gonna get thrown in a lion's den. They're going to be killed. So you go over to verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, that the king publicized this, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees, and he prayed, underline this in your Bible, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Here's the thing. The regime changed. He still prayed and gave thanks to God right? The laws changed where they literally came for his life. He prayed and gave thanks to God. The culture changed and made it illegal for him to do the thing that was a huge part of his foundation of who he is. He went home and prayed and gave thanks to God just as he did before. Now, here's the thing, and I'm going to reiterate this over and over again. You know why? Even though the laws changed and everything changed, he did that it's because regardless of who is in power our jobs as christians do not change it doesn't matter if the laws change our jobs do not change it doesn't matter if the culture changes our jobs as christians do not change it stays the same god's not looking down and like wow i don't know what you guys are going to do now with this political regime he's looking down going Why are you concerned about it? You still have the same job you did with the last president, the last uh, Congress, the last Senate, your job has not changed. Our jobs don't change. Drop down to verse 13. So then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays, so they knew that was a part of his life, he still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. Now, pause there for a minute because there's a difference in his distress and what we've seen before. When we were looking at Nebuchadnezzar and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we like, we're not going to bow down and worship that statue. Nebuchadnezzar got the words that were used were violently enraged at them because they weren't willing to follow his law because he was narcissistic and that's the way he was this is a different level of distress right here it says that um when the king heard this he was greatly distressed and he was determined to rescue daniel and he made every effort until sundown to save him because here's just think some folks will hate you because of your faith some folks will judge you because of your faith But some folks, if they see the God in you, even though they don't agree with you, they will stand up for you because of your faith. There are folks who will say, you know what, and I've had people say to me, I don't agree with you and your God, but I believe everything you're saying is true, and I love that you're respectful to other people, so I support your right to say it. And I'm like, great, thank you, I, I appreciate that. There are people who may not agree with what we say or how we vote or what we believe, but because we're respectful about the way we do it, they will stand up for you if we do it. Now here, and we know it was because of the God in him because in verse 16 it says this, the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him in the lion's den and the king said to Daniel, may your God Whom you serve continually rescue you. He saw the God in Daniel, which is why he wanted Daniel to be spared. So they put a stone in and brought it, placed it over the mouth of the den. King sealed it with his own signet ring, with the rings of the nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. And at the first light of dawn, the king got up, hurried to the lion's den, And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice and he said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you? He believed that Daniel's God, if there was, this is his thinking, this is why he couldn't sleep because he wasn't sure. He got up running there not expecting, I'm going to have to bury my friend Daniel, but expecting there's a possibility that Daniel's God showed up for him. And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. Underline that in your Bible because that's a sign of respect. It's not a sign of, hey, king, I wouldn't be in here if it weren't for you, right, and your stupid laws. It's a sign of respect. He said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong for you, O king. And here's the thing. This worked out. Because Daniel served God consistently over and over again. Every uh, kingdom that came, everyone, Daniel continued to serve God. And that's something that we need to, we need to take to heart and we need to understand. Uh, God saw the, 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 the need for Daniel to be spared. But God also saw that, hey, this is going to have an impact not just on Daniel, Just like he didn't save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for them, he saved it to have an impact on Nebuchadnezzar, and he saved Daniel so it can have an impact on Darius. And Darius saw the God in Daniel, which is why he went to bat for him. Here's the thing, here's what he didn't see, though. He didn't see hateful posts and comments from Daniel saying, this king sucks just like all the other kings, right? Totally different regime, Uh, here we go again, we don't need this, he didn't see any of that, right? Darius also didn't see the not my king, not my governor, not my senator rants that people tend to go on. And, and, and hey, I, I, I was one of the first people who almost started typing out that type of stuff. God had to put a check in my heart because God was like regardless of who was in power, your job is still the same. Your job is still the same. He also didn't see um, judging others for their vote. Daniel didn't say not one mean word about all the people who had him thrown in the lion's den who came up with the shenanigans. Now, the king did, because he took them, their wives, their children, their puppies, their goldfish, everything, their cats, their kittens, everything, and had them thrown in the lion's den. But Daniel showed respect for all of the kings that he served under, which I get it, that's, that's kind of hard for us to do. Here's the thing. Even though Daniel wasn't a fan of the kings he served, all of the kings he served, and he served multiple ones, like his entire adult life until his mid-80s, here's what all of them said about him. This is gonna look very familiar, right? So then King Darius wrote to all people's nations and languages, and how remember when Nebuchadnezzar did this in chapter four, and this is, this is like years later, over 60 years later, He wrote to all the people, nations, and languages in his realm that dwelt on all the earth. May peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. He is the living God. Same thing Nebuchadnezzar said. Right? He is the living God, enduring and steadfast forever. And his kingdom shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall be even to the end of the world. Same thing Nebuchadnezzar said. God working through Daniel, Daniel being not submissive to them, but submissive to God, had an impact on those political leaders. And then he says this. He says he, meaning God, is Savior and Deliverer. He works signs and wonders in the heavens and the earth. He who was delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. And then this is, this is the way this ends. So this man, Daniel, prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. He also prospered in the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, the same guy who had him castrated, dragged handcuffed through the desert hundreds of miles to a land that was not his own, had his city and his temple destroyed. He worked for him and honored him, not because of the man, but because of his submission to God. And he prospered under Nebuchadnezzar. He prospered under Belshazzar. He prospered under everyone he served, because of his commitment to God. And I'm gonna, I keep looking up here for the clock, I moved it down there. I'm gonna wind down with this, because this is important, uh, because um, even though this is, this, is, this is something I'm gonna keep saying over and over, regardless of who is in power, our job and our question doesn't change, there are some people who aren't gonna get it. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we're happy or unhappy about the political people in power. How many people think Daniel was happy To be dragged in chains and then castrated and work for somebody he didn't even vote for. He didn't have a say. None of us think he was happy to do that, right? But he did it because, hey, here's the situation God has put me in, and I'm going to trust God no matter what. I'm going to be faithful to God no matter what even though I may not be happy with the people in this urban. And here's why that's relevant to us. This is, this is why this is relevant to us. This is why this is important that we get this, and hopefully you've got this part already. Three reasons. First, regardless of who is in power, our job as Christians does not change. I hope I've said that enough to where that sink set. Right? If you get nothing else this morning, Like if you only remember what book we were reading through, get this, regardless of who is in power, who is in the White House, who is in Congress, who is in the Senate, regardless of which party controls the Senate, regardless of which party controls the Congress, regardless of which party is sitting in the White House, regardless of who is in power, our job does not change. We may not like who is in power. Our job as Christians does not change. Number two, and this is equally important, regardless of who is in power, who we are in Christ doesn't change. Daniel was the same, even though he served under a king who had him castrated, even though he served under a king who ignored his religious beliefs, and they brought in and had wild parties with all the the things that uh, the articles from the temple that he used to think were God worthy, and now they're using them for like a drunken party. Even though he served under a king, he's like, dude, Darius, I've never met you before. I don't even know you, you came in and took over, killed Belshazzar, and now I'm working for you, and you had me thrown in the lion's den, yet he was still the same. Who we are in Christ does not change because of who's in power. And it doesn't matter, if you associate with Democrat, if you associate with Republican, that's fine. Who you are in Christ, does not change because of who's in power? This one is the most important, and we're gonna close with this as I'm gonna ask you guys to stand. Regardless of who is in power, I'm gonna ask you guys to stand. Regardless of who is in power, how we pray should not change. And I, I, I put up a video that said this, and I may catch some flack for it, and I already did, I know, because some people had some hateful comments, but if the only time we gather together to pray is so that we can pray for a political candidate or pray because the one we wanted didn't get in office, we're doing it wrong. We are totally doing it wrong. One of the most powerful things that God gives us in addition to his Holy Spirit and in addition to other Holy Spirit-filled believers is the ability to come together and pray for him. And this this is what they noticed, right? This is what they noticed about Daniel. Because it says, uh, he prayed three times a day and gave thanks before his God as he had done before. He didn't just suddenly say, oh man, now we've got a situation, now I've gotta go pray. When things were going good, he prayed. When things were going bad, he prayed. And this is important, and this is the part we've skipped. He gave thanks. He gave thanks for the king who had him castrated He gave thanks for the king who threw him in the lion's den. And then hundreds of years later, Paul writes this letter, and we've talked about this before to Timothy, and says, hey, I admonish and urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be offered on behalf of all men, including kings. When he says petitions, that means you go over and over again even for the people we didn't go for. When he says prayers, we pray for them. When he says intercession, that means I'm going to step, I'm going to come to you, God, on behalf of this person. And I'm going to give thanks for them. And he says, for all men, but not just for all men, for kings and all who are in positions of authority or high responsibility. So we're supposed to be repeatedly praying for, not just the people we voted for, but even those we didn't vote for, if they're in office now, we're supposed to be repeatedly praying for them. We're supposed to be stepping in and saying, hey God, I'm coming to you on behalf of these political leaders, even though I didn't vote for them. And like, I, I don't have, my children are grown, so they're not in school anymore, but on, I have a prayer app that, t- I have like 100 things that I pray for regularly, so I had to put it into a prayer app. And uh, there's some things that gives me Every day, here, pray for this every day, my family, my friends, you guys, but then there's some things that just shoots out randomly, and one of those things is praying for the the West Jefferson Hills School Board. I don't have children in the school. I'm not really concerned about the school, but they're in positions of authority, so I pray for them regularly. I go before them, uh, they're of all whatever parties they are, I don't care, I go before them and say, hey God, I'm coming to you on behalf of these people, even though they may not like me, know me, or care about me. Right, because here's, here's the thing, it says we do this uh, so that we can have a quiet, peaceful, undisturbed life, one in godliness and reverence. And here's the thing, it says, for praying, such praying is good, it's right, It's pleasing and acceptable to God who wishes all men to be saved and to perceive and recognize and discern the truth. You know what the truth is that God wants all of those people to know. It's the same truth that Daniel was able to make Darius come to. And that's that our God is the living God enduring and steadfast forever. And his kingdom shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall be even to the end of the world. We serve a a, a living and present God whose dominion will continue forever and ever. So I know we're running a little bit long, but I'm gonna ask the band to come up and we're gonna close out with this song. And as we do, I'm gonna pray first, God, I pray that we realize, recognize and take to heart What Darius came to know as the truth, what we know as the truth is that your kingdom shall not be destroyed. Your dominion is a never-ending one. And that it is our responsibility as Christians to tell people about your mercy, your grace, your love, and your goodness, regardless of who is in power that it is our responsibility to always proclaim your name, to always tell people about your goodness, and to rejoice in who you have created us to be. It is our hope and it is our prayer that we take this message to heart. And that we don't do it because of the people in office. We do it so that we might show our peace and our reverence and our joy for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.